Hello, and welcome back to another bite-sized 40-minute mental episode. This week, we're joined by Selena Rezvani, leadership and confidence coach and author of Quick Confidence. In today's episode, Selena shares some really tangible advice on negotiation, how to build your confidence, and how to bounce back from a setback. I know this will be super valuable for many of you listening, so please sit back and enjoy this bite-sized dose of mentorship with the brilliant Selena Rezvani. My name is Selena Resvani, and it's really my mission to help women and underrepresented groups carve out paths to leadership and to help them negotiate those paths on their own terms. Uh, during the pandemic, I had the pleasure of starting this weekly newsletter on building self-confidence, and it actually went viral. And so I'm so excited that those tips have now become a book called Quick Confidence, which is due out on May 9th, and it's available for pre-order now everywhere books are sold. One of the most important elements of becoming more confident is telling yourself the right stories, okay? And, and I mean developing a healthy respect for your strengths the same way you are hyper aware of, you know, your non-strengths, your weaknesses, the stumbles, the areas that are just harder for you that many of us tend to have kind of burned into our minds. We, we know what those areas are, but it's important to have that balance. And I think some of the most confident people tell themselves balanced stories about who they are. They respect their resume, for example, and their experience the value they bring to their organizations. They don't just focus intently on, you know, what's wrong. I think another really important element in becoming more confident, and boy, has this been important in my own life, I've struggled with confidence. I have often felt like that very good second or third choice job candidate, you know, who didn't quite get to the top and so often that wasn't because of competence, but confidence, you know, a, a willingness to own my own value. And so I think a really important shift that we need to make if we want more confidence is that inner channel we're tuned into, moving from an inner critic type voice to more of what I call an uh, inner coach, you know? When you think about a really great sports coach, a really effective one, they are pretty balanced. They don't just hammer you for your weaknesses and what you did wrong as a player. You know, they're also encouraging what you're doing right. They are giving some credit when you had maybe a good idea or a good thought and giving constructive feedback to help you do better next time. Maybe make a tweak, make a change and try it a little differently. And I think it's so important we find that inner Ted Lasso kind of voice that praises progress, you know, encourages us to keep going, gives us an honest take with some feedback to do better next time. Confidence, when you think about it, is such a huge part of negotiation. And I want to tell you why. The thing is, we teach other people how to treat us by what we accept, what we reinforce day to day, and what we stop, what we say no to. 
So confidence is hugely important because think about it. We are teaching other people something about our value when we get ourselves to the negotiating table. When we say, can I have better? You know, I'd like more or I have a need. But we're also teaching other people something about our value when we sidestep negotiating, when we don't do it, when we say, you know, I don't want to be a bother. I know you're so busy, so let's just forget about that career conversation. You know, so realize that these conversations are not just materially important to your career, some of the most materially important conversations, but they're hugely going to impact your own self-confidence, your own feeling of self-respect. Did I settle for suboptimal, for not great, or did I look for a win-win? Did I speak up and bring my creativity, my inventiveness to finding a solution? So what makes somebody a really great negotiator? I'd love to tell you it's a certain ninja move or this cool, shiny trick, you know, that they can pull off that, that maybe no one else can. But I actually think it's something more accessible than that, something all of us can do. The best negotiators, and I write about this in my book, a full chapter in Quick Confidence on negotiating. The best negotiators have empathy. And they take some time to stand in the other person's shoes, you know, before they make a pitch, ask for something, present information. And there's a really great framework I love to help people get a little more empathy and think about the other side called GPS. And it starts with G, right, which are goals. Asking yourself, what are the other person's goals here? Their objectives. And how could I map my proposal, whatever it is I'm asking for, to that? So, for example, if I'm asking you to consider establishing a brand new job role in the organization that's going to add lots of value, it's going to be important for me to say, here's how it'll further your most meaningful goals. And the P in GPS, after you talked about their goals, is passions. What are the other person's maybe organizational causes, interests that they care a lot about? I, at one point in my career, negotiated for a parent-friendly benefit for my company to add a parent-friendly benefit to the company's benefit sheet. And my boss at the time really had a passion for being an employer of choice, being known as this destination employer where talent wanted to come and stay. So that became, you know, the anchor I used with my negotiation request for that benefit. I know it's important to you to become an employer of choice and benefits like this are going to help us get closer. And then the S is for struggles. We all have struggles, burdens, pain points. And so, you know, let's say you were asking for more responsibility in your job. You know, you may look to a known pain point that your manager has. Maybe they've complained to you in a kind of good-natured way about some analysis they have to do every two weeks and send to the higher-ups in their organization. You might say, hey, I know that's a burden on your time. What do you think of me assuming that task, you know, that responsibility? 
When you use the other person's GPS, you make your request, your negotiated item, so much more yesable. Okay. And I think really importantly, you end up moving the conversation from me, you know, can I have, I want, I need to we, you know, how can we make this work well for both of us? Tough negotiations are everywhere. And if there's one common thread I hear that is maybe the the biggest difficulty for people, it's intimidation. You know, it's this feeling like all I can see in front of me is the person's title, their hierarchy, you know, their authority over me, potentially. And guess what? That does not serve us. It doesn't serve our self-confidence and often our performance in that negotiation. So there are some ways you can get intimidation under control. This is really important to me to write about in quick confidence since so many of us deal with it. But there's an old saying, if you put somebody up on a pedestal, don't be surprised if they start to look down on you. And so it's so important that you negotiate with the person, not the power. So how can you do that? How can you humanize even the most terrifying, daunting individual you might be sitting across from? There are a few ways. And one of them is to approach them peer to peer. It's you and I versus the problem in front of us. You know, it's not you versus me. It's not you up here and me down here. It's two intelligent peers talking to solve an issue. And that's that's different. We we sit up a little straighter. We speak with more conviction. We're willing to go a few more rounds when we adopt a mindset like that of equitable power. I think another important thing that we can do is let that intimidator talk, but not dominate. This is so key that we not take a kind of backseat in the conversation or relegate ourselves to the kids' table, you know, and lessen, diminish ourselves. Get right in there and validate something they said or make a bridge statement to a new point of your own. Okay, but be an equal contributor in that conversation. I think there's some other really fun and effective kind of mindset shifts that we can use with those intimidating figures. And I think one of them is to simply see them doing ordinary things. You know, you might see them as just bulletproof and a rock star in their field and all of these things. But look, the chances are good that they woke up this morning and wanted to sleep 10 more minutes, just like you and me. (laughs) And that they, you know, sleepily made themselves some breakfast and maybe really wanted pancakes, but settled on a kind of healthy but boring option. (laughs) Or, you know, that they had trouble kind of coming up with what to wear today. When you see them doing the ordinary, it can shrink the power, the shadow of that individual down. And there's one more tactic I really like to use, and it's called the just like me exercise. And it's reminding yourself that in many ways, you have things in common with this person, very human, universal experiences. For example, saying to yourself, 
you know, this person has needed to summon courage just like me. This person has felt inadequate at times just like me. This person has felt nervous or unsure just like me. So I think there are some wonderful things we can do to restore our confidence, you know, and kind of remind our, our body, our minds that in fact, we belong. We 400% belong in this negotiation, this job interview, this meeting, this presentation. So those moments when we lose our confidence, when we panic a bit in a negotiation, you know, I think you're going to like this advice because it doesn't involve actually doing more or intellectual gymnastics. It actually requires doing less. And so I want you to think about some ways you could use your physicality to your advantage when you're doubting yourself. And one example of doing this is actually using silence, quiet, in a strategic way. So not checking out of the conversation or just being passive in some way, but truly doing this strategically. Mia, a, a woman I interviewed for one of my books, did this. She heard about strategic silence and she said, I'm going to use it in my performance review. And her boss said to her at the beginning of that meeting, Mia, how well do you feel you did this year on a scale of zero to 100? And Mia, having had a great year, said confidently, 115. Her boss said, interesting, I know you had a good year, but I had you down as 95. Mia sat silently after he gave his answer, and an amazing thing started to happen. He began to talk himself out of his 95 and into her 115, where they ultimately agreed to be. And look, the same can happen for you when you practice using silence in a negotiation. You may be doubtful about the terms you're hearing from a vendor or in a job offer, okay? Your job is not to rush in and fill the silence, to nod your head in agreement or appear friendly and reassuring to the other side. So often that can seep your power, okay? So don't feel that pressure to reassure, to be overly consenting and friendly, particularly if you're getting a very lousy, unsatisfactory answer one that you don't agree with. And, you know, the kind of BFF skill to this of using silence is bringing that poker face, what I call a resting neutral face. And again, sometimes with that authority figure, we rush to be agreeable, uh, feel the need to nod, say, okay, but look, if we just got the world's crummiest raise after a, an amazing two years on the job, we don't want to do that. And sometimes less is more. So having that more neutral poker face does not make you look nearly as weird as you may think it <laughs> makes you look. It actually makes you look like you're deliberating, like you're considering, you know, the last comment. And those are very safe places to be in a negotiation. If you just dealt with a setback to your confidence and who among us has not, <laughs> you know, particularly after negotiating. Remember this. 
no good self-advocate is an island. You know, you you need to tap your network. And, and there's research behind this, actually. I, I did a study together with LinkedIn on professionals negotiating habits. And I found it so remarkable that those people who networked daily were significantly more confident about negotiating than those people who only did it monthly. And one of the reasons for that is that our networks can normalize our setbacks. They can say things to us like, oh, yeah, that no you got, that's completely normal to get a no the first time you ask or from that person or within that context. You know, here's how to try it the next time or here's how to take a a step two to still get what you need. And maybe even more important, networks are an incredible source of new opportunities. We know that we get the very best opportunities from weak ties, those second and third and fourth order connections, not the connections in our, you know, cozy, immediate circle. So it's so important that to resist the urge to kind of go into our turtle shells after a setback and keep to ourselves when what we really need to do is reach out hear about more opportunities, normalize our setback. And I hope if you've dealt with a setback, you'll practice some self-forgiveness. None of us are meant to get this right every time or get it right right out of the gate our first time trying. I hope you'll praise progress. Don't ever forget, you get to choose what elements of that negotiation you focus on. And I think it's a huge win to have gotten yourself to that negotiating table, to communicate to the other person, I would like more from life than what I have today. These are not bad things to be known for. If there's one thing I want to leave people with, it's this. Don't overestimate what everyone else can do. They have more experience. They have the right degree. They know what's best and underestimate what you can do. Learn how to self-coach, and you can overcome any daunting situation. I tell people, first you seem powerful in your own eyes, then you seem powerful in other people's eyes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really hope this will be useful for many of you going into your next negotiation. We loved having Selena on the podcast and I can't wait to get a copy of her new book, Quick Confidence, which comes out on May the 9th. If you'd like to secure your own copy, then make sure you follow the links in the show notes. That's all from us today, but make sure you tune in again on Wednesday for yet more amazing mentorship. See you then.